Be seated and take your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 1. I'm just going to do a short little Bible study with you tonight and, and um, just look at a couple of different things that I think are interesting about the forgiveness of God and uh, kind of make a correlation with them. But yesterday was the first day of winter, December 21st, the shortest day of the year, which, you know, the best thing about that is they're only getting longer from here, right? And uh, boy, I tell you what, uh, I, this whole getting dark early thing and all that stuff, man, I just, I don't like it at all. And, you know, it gets to be 7 o'clock and you think it's, you know, 12 o'clock at night and you're like, man, it's only 7? I guess in some ways that's good, but then in other ways I'm like, man, this is, I, don't like, I don't like the dark. I, I don't know how these people in Alaska do it where they have six months of you know, basically complete darkness, <laughs> six months of light. I don't I couldn't do that. But uh, anyway, with winter comes mostly uh, snow. And when I left Indiana, uh, I, I mean, I was so glad to get out of there, um, the weather and all. I mean, I never really liked the cold. You know, some people are, you know, they love it. They, they're moving to Alaska to be in the snow, you know. I never really liked it. I put up with it because you, ha- you didn't have a choice, you know. But once that first snow fell, most of the time, a lot of times in Indiana, it stayed on the ground for the rest of the year, you know. And it turned into hard ice underneath everything. And I mean, it was just, it was, it was miserable. But... Um, when I got, when I moved down here to Virginia, I said, man, I don't care if I had never see another snowflake, you know? And then the first year I was here, it didn't snow at all. I mean, maybe one little tiny dusting or something. I said, well, I don't know if I'm ready to, you know, to not see any snow. I didn't mean it like that, but, uh, um, I'd rather go to it than have it come to me. If I want to go skiing or, you know, sledding or something like that, let me go to where the snow is and then come back out of it. Right. But. Uh, I, I think uh, a lot of us end up having a love-hate relationship with snow. We like to enjoy some of those winter things. You know, when it snows, you love going sledding and all that stuff, but one day and you're done with it, right? And, now, and then after that, you, you hate it. But, um, of course, I'll tell you the reason why I really hated snow was because I worked, um, I was working full-time there. Um, the, well, my senior year in college, I worked maintenance as part of the way to pay my bill, you know. They asked me if I wanted to be part of the maintenance, and I said, yeah, you know, I'd fix this and do that and whatever else. Well, part of that included shoveling the sidewalks every time it snowed. I had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. No, I had to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and go check to see if it had snowed. And if any snow had fallen, I had to go shovel all the sidewalks, and they had to be done by 6. And I got to the place where I was just so tired. I couldn't stand snow. And, I mean, a little tiny bit of snow, and you got to go shovel everything. And I was just like, uh, anyway, but... You know, they romanticize snow, walking in a winter wonderland and all this other stuff. But, you know, the Bible talks a lot about snow. I think 24 different times the Bible actually, you know, from Genesis to Revelation, talks about or likens things to snow. And um, I, I think probably the most familiar verse relating to, to the most familiar verse relating to snow is here in Isaiah chapter one and verse number 18. He says this, come now. And let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And in this verse here, God is drawing a comparison between uh, his forgiveness and snow. And so I just, I started thinking about it. I just want to take a couple minutes and I do a quick little Bible study on the way that the Bible likens snow to forgiveness. And the first thing I think you can see, in fact, turn over to Job 37, Job 37. Number one, snow requires divine engagement. Um, There's no doubt that snow that's real and not artificial requires a divine hand. 
Um, I don't know if you ever, I think it's gone now. Um, they, they moved out. I don't know if they put something in there or not. But you ever been to the Yankee Candle Factory in Williamsburg? One of the, I mean, we didn't go in there all that often, but it was kind of a neat little tourist attraction. If we were going to take somebody down to Waynesburg or show them around Waynesburg, we'd go into that Yankee Candle Factory because even in the middle of the summer, there was one room in there where every half hour they produced snow. They had a little snow-making machine, and it was, it was like their Christmas room, and you could go in there, and it could be the middle of July, and it would be snowing in that room, and it was pretty neat, you know? Um, obviously, that's, that's man-made, and, and, but I mean, either way, it's still, you know, it still requires moisture and all this stuff, but it's no, no, uh, no question that snow requires divine engagement. How do we know that? The, the, the Bible says that that's true. Job chapter 37 and verse number 6, for he saith to the snow, be thou upon the earth. God, God is the one that sets that up. God's the one that, that uh, it's, it's, it's a divine thing. You don't have to turn over there, but Psalm 147, verse number 12 says, Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. He giveth snow like wool. He scattereth the hoarfrost like ashes. He casteth forth his ice like morsels. Who can stand before his cold? He sendeth out his word and melteth them. He causeth his wind to blow and the waters to flow. So in, in order for snow to fall, all of the necessary conditions have to be met. And it's pretty interesting for snow crystals to form, the atmospheric temperature, the, the temperature in the atmosphere has to be at least negative 31 degrees Fahrenheit in the atmosphere. And then all the, the, the right mixture of moisture and everything else has to be there in order for snow to form. And so uh, that water vapor has to be dense enough to collect and freeze onto water crystals. Um, but then the outside temperature has to be cold enough that as they fall through the atmosphere, they don't melt on their way down, right? And so uh, you know that to be 32 degrees-ish. You know, it has to be at least 32 degrees Fahrenheit for it to stay snow as it falls through the atmosphere. But this is really interesting. A single snowflake consists of 10 quintillion water molecules. That is a 10 with 19 zeros after it. 10 quintillion water molecules have to be formed together to make one snowflake. And so when they say that no two snowflakes are alike, I'm sure you've heard that before, and you always, you know, why does every snowflake that's ever been printed look the exact same, right? But there are no two snowflakes alike because there are 10 quintillion water molecules that are formed in all different patterns. I mean, can you imagine how many patterns there must be in a snowflake for 10 quintillion of those to come together in a snowflake, in whatever random pattern they happen to stick to it, right? So uh, that's, that's why there's no two identical snowflakes. But simply put, snow just doesn't happen. It requires divine engagement. And you can probably see where we're going with that, but that's exactly the way that forgiveness of sin is too. It requires divine engagement. It's not something that can be formulated by, by human hands. It's not something that can be uh, attained by human ability, True forgiveness and peace with God requires divine engagement. But the second thing about snow is this. Snow enters a dirty environment. As children growing up, one of the things that we hoped for the most uh, was for a snow day to happen. It doesn't take anything in Virginia. It was very, very hard to get a snow day in Indiana. Because if it was done snowing by about 5, 6 o'clock in the morning, the roads were clear enough by all the snow plows that you could get to school. And so they never canceled school. I mean, it was very, very rare when that happened. Now, I do remember one time at the end of March, we had a snowstorm where we got three feet of snow. 
at the end of March, and we did get out of school for a week, but that was miserable because there was no power at home anyway. So it was, and, and the roads, we lived, where we lived in Indiana, it was all cornfields around us, but obviously in the winter, there's no corn, and so it was just, the wind would whip, and you know, it got really windy and cold, and uh, these snow drifts that formed over the top of the road made it so that you couldn't even, I mean, it didn't matter what kind of vehicle you had, it was not going through there. Even the snow plows didn't come through until the snow started to melt a little bit. So we had a whole, mo- a whole week off of school then, but it was very rare for us to get it off. Now they have snow in the 10-day forecast, and they cancel snow for the 10 days leading up to that, and then it doesn't even happen on there, and you still get the day off of school, right? That's the way it feels like around here. I'm like, another snow day? I mean, they just had one, and it didn't even snow, right? But that's the one thing that we used to look forward to. We'd, we'd, you know, we'd, we'd finish our chores up, and then we'd bundle up and go outside and play, right? We do the same thing now when these guys have off of school when it snows. But um, uh, my mom, you know, always said, don't eat the snow, you know? And, and I, I suppose it's because she's mindful of the fact that, you know, even though when you look at snow and it looks completely white and everything else, as it's falling through the atmosphere, it's collecting all kinds of stuff. I remember, I mean, maybe you did this too. It's no wonder that, like, uh, there's not, not too many things that make us sick anymore because, man, we used to, you know, sn- water dripping off the roof and we go stick our mouths underneath of it and catching the water and everything else. I mean, could you imagine all the junk and nasty stuff that was in that, you know, water you're drinking? Same thing with snow. You know, you're over here eating big old handfuls of snow. That collects everything that's in the, in the atmosphere as it's falling. And, I mean, that's one of the things that snow does is, you know, everything attaches to it and brings it down to the ground and cleans the atmosphere out. And here we are taking big old handfuls of it and eating it, right? But uh, the snow is cleaning the air, and here we are eating it. And, and so the point is that snow enters a dirty environment. You can see where we're going with this. Just like snow enters a dirty environment, God's forgiveness enters into hearts that are made filthy by sin. Uh, we ourselves are sinners. We're stained with the deepest hue of sin. We're sinners by birth. Um, obviously, Adam sinned first, and so that sin passed upon all men, as the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, right? But also, we're sinners by choice. Oh, we blame Adam. Oh, if he had never sinned. Yeah, maybe not, but think about somebody between Adam and us probably would have, right? <laughs> and it probably would have been us if it had happened. But, but we are sinners by birth, but we're sinners by choice, too. We make choices all the time that, that go against God's commandments, right? Um, we choose to rebel against him often, and so thoroughly and completely and irreversibly stained by sin, we stand guilty before a just God. We need his forgiveness, and so that... The snow enters a dirty environment, and so does the forgiveness of God. The last thing I want you to see is this. Snow causes a dramatic effect. When snow falls on a, on a landscape or on a city and, and just blankets everything, there's a very visible change. I like the way snow looks when it's fresh, right? It gets so ugly in just a, a short amount of time when it's all patchy on the, you know, in the grass and it's big slushy piles everywhere. But when you have a fresh blanket of snow, it's beautiful. I mean, and, and I'll, I'll just go out and drive in it on purpose to look at it. It's sitting on top of all those bare trees, and it's just, it looks, it's really, really nice. It's, it has a dramatic effect, right? I mean, you could take a, a nice fresh blanket of snow on a junkyard, and a junkyard would look nice, right? That's what snow does. It just, it covers everything. Um, but the same is true. The, the environment is changed when snow falls, and our hearts can be changed by God's forgiveness, too. It doesn't matter what that heart looked like before. It could be a junkyard. 
But when God's forgiveness falls on that heart, it changes everything. And it makes that heart look complete. It changes the landscape, right? It has a dramatic effect on that heart. Matthew Henry said it like this. Though our sins have been as scarlet and crimson, a deep dye, a double dye, first in the wool of original corruption and afterwards in the many threads of actual transgression, though we have been often dipped by our many backslidings into sin, and though we have lain long soaking in it as the cloth, does in a scarlet dye, yet pardoning mercy will thoroughly discharge the stain. And being by it purged as with hyssop, we shall be clean. That's a, a good statement, because that's exactly what it is about righteousness. Now, I'm reminded of a poem that was written by John Whitaker Watson, and you can go look it up. The name of the poem is actually called Beautiful Snow. It was published in Harper's Weekly in November of 1857. Um, the title is called Beautiful Snow, but it says this, Oh, the snow, the beautiful snow, filling the sky and the earth below, over the housetops, over the street, over the heads of the people you meet, dancing, flirting, skimming along, beautiful snow, it can do no wrong, flying to kiss a fair lady's cheek, clinging to lips in frolicsome freak, beautiful snow from heaven above, pure as an angel, gentle as love. Once I was pure as the snow, but I fell. Fell like the snowflakes from heaven to hell. Fell to be trampled like filth in the street. Fell to be scoffed at, spit on and beat. Bleeding, cursing, dreading to die. Selling my soul to whoever would buy. Dealing in shame for a morsel of bread. Hating the living and fearing the dead. O oh, merciful God, have I fallen so low as yet I was once like the beautiful snow. Now that's only two out of the six stanzas that he wrote. And this guy... Apparently, he's not a Christian at all because the poem ends. It's just a, it's a very, it's really a depressing poem um, because it ends really with just tragic loss. He's basically saying there is no hope for us. We used to be like this pure snow, and now we're not anymore, and there's no hope. How do you, how do you make snow that was white and been turned brown back to white again? And you can't is basically what he's saying. But somebody along the line some, somewhere, a Christian actually, added a stanza to the end of that poem and said this, Helpless and foul as the trampled snow, Sinner, despair not, for Christ stoopeth low, To rescue the soul that is lost in sin, To raise it to life and enjoyment again, Groaning, bleeding, dying for thee, The crucified hung on the cursed tree, His accents of mercy fall soft on thine ear, Is there mercy for me? Will he heed my weak prayer? O God, in that stream that for sinners did flow, now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Amen. That's exactly what it is talking about in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as the wool. I just thought it was an interesting little study, the way the Bible talks about snow. I mean, 24 verses is not insignificant, you know? And uh, the fact that we know a lot about it and the way it looks and what it does, it, it has a whole lot of, a whole lot of uh, comparison to the forgiveness and the mercy of God. Though thy sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Interesting. Let's pray, and then we'll get to putting these packets together. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for your forgiveness, for your mercy, for salvation. God, what a tremendous sacrifice you made for us, and we thank you so much for that. I do pray that you'd help us as we put these little gift bags together that it might uh, have an effect on some of the people that get it, and above all, that maybe they'd read the track that we put in there and, and somebody would get saved. It'd be great if somebody came to church, but above all, God, we pray that they would come to know you as their Savior. I pray that it'd be effective, that, we'd, uh, that they'd be useful, and that uh, it would be a, a good use of our time to try to go get these things out. 
And God, we thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen.